0: Hey, fresh ad read today because I want you to know that my new book, Motivation for Regular People, Reframing Your Drive to Pursue Your Goals and Achieve Your Potential, is coming out on November 14th of this year. This book is the culmination of all the research I've been doing on motivation for the last six months. In this book, you'll gain a fresh perspective on how motivation actually works, and by the time you finish reading, you'll understand how to leverage your motivation to accomplish your most important goals. I'm so excited for this book to come out, and you don't have to wait until November 14th to purchase your copy. In fact, you can go on Amazon and pre-order your copy today and you'll receive an instant download via Kindle whenever the book becomes available. You can also wait to buy the paper book on November 14th if you wanna have a copy to take notes in or if you wanna bring me a copy and have me sign it for you, that's totally fine as well. I'll include a link to the book on Amazon in the show notes if you wanna go ahead and pre-order and I would be honored if you would help spread the word about the book to to others who may also be looking for some extra motivation as a special treat for listening to the show I'll include a link to read the introduction right away for free on my website you can hit pause and read it now if you want or you can wait until you finish listening to the awesome conversation that you're about to hear Welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast, where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue and finish the goals that matter most to you. Today, you're going to learn how you can escape the allure of average and build a life that truly has an impact by establishing the right mindset. If this is your first time joining us today, we're so glad that you are here with us. We release a new episode every Thursday, along with a few bonus episodes each month. And if you subscribe, you'll easily have access to those new episodes as they become available. I would also love it if you'd give the show a rating and a review if you find the content helpful. That way, we'll be able to grow this community and take this message to more people who could benefit from listening into these conversations that we're having here. Today, you're going to hear from Chad. Hufford. To my knowledge, Chad is the first person who I've talked to who lives in Alaska. He's also the owner of a boutique financial planning firm called Veritas Wealth Management. They manage over $500 million in wealth while serving several hundred families across the United States. Chad is also passionate about his fitness and his faith. He sees these aspects as being very important in his life, and he also has a lot to say about habits and mindset, as you'll hear from the upcoming conversation. I'm so glad that Chad was able to jump on and share some time with us, and I know you're going to learn a lot from hearing what he has to say. So we'll get started. Here's Chad. Chad, great to have you on the show. I'm excited to talk with you.
1: Brady, it's a pleasure being here. Thanks thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. So we were chatting
0: a little bit before and you attributed much of your success to this ability to escape the average. Can you tell me more about where your interest in that idea started?
1: Well, really, it's just a willingness to admit to myself that if I want different results than what everybody else is getting, I have to be willing to provide different inputs. If if the outcome is going to change, the input has to be different. And looking at the world around us, average is not working. You know, we have, we, we have the richest, most educated society that's ever existed, but we are the most obese, over medicated, anxiety-ridden, in debt society that's that's ever existed on this planet. So we we know better, we have the tools, but we're just we're making bad decisions. And it's it's sucked into this this average circumstance that is so unhealthy and we've normalized bad behaviors and we tell ourselves that we justify well everybody else is doing this too everybody else is struggling with this therefore it's okay and average is not okay it, it it's not average in this country is broke desperate and depressed and i don't want any part of that hmm
0: yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm intrigued by this idea of on the front end we have all of these resources available at our disposal and yet the outputs are so negative in comparison with the potential inputs that we have. So, with that being true, and we talked about this a little earlier as well, this idea that people are naturally drawn toward the average, like there's something enticing about that. What do you feel like that is? It's safety.
1: It's, it's fear of, of standing out. So you think about like a zebra, a zebra is meant to their safety is being able to fit in with, with their herd. And that's what the stripes do. It, it allows the zebra to blend in, not just not with their environment, but more with each other because uh, a predator, a lion or cheetah or whatever animal eats zebras, I don't know, but they, they can't identify a specific animal, which makes it hard for them to bring down and attack an animal that's blending into everything else. And I think for us, there's safety in feeling like we blend in. We talk about standing out and being own person, but we actually don't want to do that. And unfortunately, Brady, most people are more willing to be wrong in a crowd than to be right by themselves. And being able to step out of that and being okay with being the the odd person out, the odd man out, the odd woman out is, is essential. And it is it is scary. It is There is something innately fearful about standing alone and saying, I'm going to take a different path because I have a different destination in mind, hmm. but it's necessary.
0: And I'm so glad you brought this up. So in my new book, which will be out less than a week after this podcast releases, I have an entire chapter about comfort, security, and belonging being three of our primary subconscious innate motivators. And this is so powerful because people often think, well, I'm just not that motivated. Or if only I was motivated, then I would do X, Y, Z. The reality is you are motivated. But if you're not aware of a greater purpose or cause that motivates you, you might just be motivated by comfort, security, and belonging without even realizing that that's taking place. And that's what draws us, I think, to stay where we are and preserve the status quo rather than ever trying to do anything differently than before.
1: What you said is really interesting because all too often people trade away long-term security for short-term comfort without even realizing that they're doing it. Let me just give you an example. So it's way more comfortable to eat ice cream or eat a bag of chips That it is to go to the gym, or it is to eat broccoli, or to go for a run or something like that. But that second choice, which is very uncomfortable in the moment, leads to much more long-term security. Meanwhile, the person who chooses an unhealthy diet. So my office right now, it's not right now, it's always in between um, a Subway and a McDonald's. So I've watched people every single day making bad health decisions. I mean, it, just a few minutes ago, or a couple hours ago, I should say, we had a line like wrapping around the street, because it was breakfast time here in Alaska. And people are lining up to start their day with a bad decision, which is which is so sad to me. But you do that for years and years and years. And pretty soon, your security is diminished greatly, because you have health issues, your joints hurt, you're overweight, you don't feel good in your own skin, you don't psychologically and physically. It's it's damaging on so many different levels. And we get there slowly by trading away short-term comfort for long-term security. It happens in finances. It happens in business. It happens in relationships. So while we are, we are created for an innate desire or innate need for both comfort and security, we usually trade away one for the other. And I believe that trading away short-term comfort for long-term security is always a bad trade.
0: Yeah. So, and that's really good. So in your experience with the people who you've worked with or just what you've learned from your own lives, what has to change in order for us to make meaningful progress in this area? I think a big
1: step is being willing to be different. I I call it dare to be different, being willing to go outside the norm and push back Against this quote unquote conventional wisdom, um, let's just face it. You know they say fifty percent of marriages end in divorce. Um, the the average retiree, sixty five years or older, lives off Social Security as their primary income source. Um, we have an obesity and uh, uh, metabolic disorder epidemic going on in our country. So clearly, something has to change. We can't keep doing what everybody else is doing if we want different results. And I think the, a good starting place is keying in on what we want those results to be. What does a win look like? What What do we want our body to look like? What kind of health do we want? What do we want our finances to look like, our relationships? And then reverse engineering that to, the, to our actions today. What are the inputs that I can commit to? that leverage the outcome that I'm most interested in. Because what it does is it now allows us to choose in advance what we are going to do. You had somebody on your show uh, recently that was talking about not waiting for perfect to get started, you know, acting on your plan. And a big part of that is coming up with a decision that this is where I want to be out here in the future. Here's the my pathway to get there. So you have a meaningful, tangible plan that connects your present actions to your future goals so you choose in advance what you're going to do you're not wrestling with that decision in the moment like oh you know should i should i buy this thing should i not no you already decided that's not in your budget or should i invest in my 401 k this month no you already made that decision it's already decided should i go work out this morning you already packed your gym bag you've already you've already blocked that on your calendar you've already decided we spend so much time brady wrestling with decisions because we're trying to make them in the moment rather than then looking at this and saying i've already committed to this The i already know what i'm going to wear to the gym i know what work i'm going to do i know who i'm going to meet there i know the route i'm going to take all those decisions have been pre-made and those might sound little but the more decisions you have to make in order to execute a good behavior the less likely you are to do it so mm-hmm. i I just I just threw a lot at you right there. Hopefully that answers your question. No, this
0: is really good. So I'm thinking about the laws of habit change that I've read about. Specifically, one of my favorites is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And in this book, he talks about how when we want to start a new habit, we need to make it easy. The simple habit is the one that's going to be more effective, more sustainable, obviously easier for us to act on. And then when you're trying to eliminate a bad habit, you want to take steps to make that harder. If you don't want to eat ice cream every night, it's going to be a lot easier to follow through if it's not in your fridge. So that's part of what I'm thinking. The other thought that I have, and you can tell me if I'm totally off base on this, but as you're talking about adjusting inputs to impact outputs, to me, when I think about doing that, I don't feel as though I have to completely change everything at once. I think about a small addition to a recipe, like if you've got a recipe that's pretty bland, and you put a little bit of salt in it and don't change anything else, you're still going to have a different product at the end. Maybe it's not as good as it could be, but there's still signs of improvement. And so for me, thinking about it in that way makes even changing the inputs to adjust the outputs feel a little easier. I don't have to rewrite the entire playbook, so to speak, in order to to make progress or do something different. I just have to take one small step or make one small
1: change. And this kind of goes back to what you were talking about in that previous previous conversation that I referenced. Perfect is often the enemy of done. And we we so often allow perfect to delay our actions because we're trying to come up with with perfect. And to your point, yeah, we don't we don't have to rewrite the whole playbook even if we could, we shouldn't. Because if you make too many changes at once, it's hard to sustain them. And we we need to we need to make sustainable a goal more so than optimal. So the perfect investing strategy, the perfect workout, the perfect diet, the perfect relationship. First of all, those things don't exist. Second of all, even if we took something, you think of somebody who's, you know, January 1st, they're wake up in the morning, like, okay, I'm gonna start working out. And they go download, you know, some workout from an NBA player. Okay. This is somebody who is a absolutely physical freak in the best shape of their life. And you're going to go try to do what they do. It might be an optimal workout, but you're going to hate your life after about three days of doing it. You're going to be sore. You're going to be miserable. You might, you might even get injured because that process may be optimal, but it's not sustainable for you right now at this time. So it, we need to give ourselves time to ramp up. And that kind of goes back to what you said about James Clear and Atomic Habits. And for your listeners, I just want them to know that is one of the most practical books I've ever read about behavior change. And I know your podcast is about motivation, Brady, but I what I'm about to say might might push back against that it might seem like it but i think people are too reliant on motivation i think people place too much importance on motivation and less importance on habits and here's why this is dangerous is motivation is a finite resource and yes i believe that we can increase our motivation increase our willpower by acting on our willpower But when we have better habits, we don't need to be as motivated. And if you, you already mentioned it, making good habits easier to start, make them obvious, make them rewarding. Those are the things that that book talks about. If we are able to do that with good habits, we don't have to be as motivated. We're relying on habits rather than discipline, willpower, motivation. Now, motivation is great. Don't get me wrong. That's why I'm here talking to you. But We have to have other constructs in place. We have to have processes and habits and and guardrails in our life. So we're not just relying on motivation. I hope that makes sense.
0: No, I think it does. And I think this conversation about habits eliminating the need for motivation, to me, doesn't diminish the importance of motivation so much as it sheds light on what I'm trying to do in this space, which is raise awareness about how motivation actually works, where it can be beneficial, and then even where its limitations are. So with a habit, and and I'll make this practical for me, like one of my habits is to go to the gym typically five days a week. And so if I had never done that before, I would need a strong initial burst of motivation in order to do that because I'm disrupting the status quo. I would need to be heavily more motivated to wake up early and go to the gym than to do the same things that I've been doing before. And my brain is screaming at me not to do that because there is an unfamiliar, uncertain outcome. And so as you're building these habits, a habit happens when our brain senses that there's a repeatable course of action that can lead to an end reward. And so as I'm building that habit, I'm more motivated to Pursue that award, that reward, rather, even if it means sacrificing my short term comfort, I'm more motivated to do that than I am to preserve that comfort. And I could even argue, as I'm hearing myself talk, that the habit itself becomes that source of comfort, which is a strong Mm -hmm. internal motivator. And that's rewarding in itself, even if the path to get there is a little uncomfortable. So, no, I don't think what you said is out of place at all. I think that's really good. I want to come back to this idea of escaping average before we wrap up because that's kind of where we started so do you reach a point where that pull is not as strong as it was before
1: i don't think so um because we're human beings i think they'll there'll always be that tug back towards the crowd back towards where everybody else is And you mentioned, we've talked about comfort a lot here, Brady, and I think that's important because when when you start having success in an area, it's easy to start finding a comfort zone and comfort often leads to complacency if you're not careful. So I think there has to be a a constant self-awareness and and an internal, um, regulation that goes on like am i slipping back into a comfort zone i I tell people all the time that there's this phrase people use like so and so they're really in a groove like when we see things are going great you know brady's working out five days a week he's eating clean he's doing this he's whatever brady's in a groove the only difference between being in a groove and being in a rut is how long you stay there and if we get lulled into complacency by being in a, even if it's a good spot too long, it can still drag us back on that, that path to average results or at least, maybe not average, but at least not what we're capable of doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's an artist or not an artist, an author rather who I really enjoy. And he often talks about how you don't accidentally find yourself working out or eating salads or waking up at five in the morning to read or meditate. Like these things take intentionality. They require us to be proactive in terms of making them priorities and taking the steps necessary to get them done. And so, yeah, I think that piece is really important. We've, we've talked a little about mindset here, maybe not directly, but alluding to that. Tell me a little more about what you think on the importance of mindset.
1: It's really hard to act right if you're not thinking right. Um, and it's and I'm I'm hesitant to it, mindset is driven by by our feelings, but our actions can also lead our feelings too. And that's what's so interesting about motivation, is a lot of people, you know, they again they want to feel motivated. I like to feel motivated. I heard you say on a show recently that you're not always motivated to go to the gym but you've you've made it just a part of your process. And I, I think an awareness that feelings are fickle and actions can lead our feelings is really, really important. And when you start executing the right action, your feelings and motivation often catch up with catch up with their actions. We have to be willing to lead with action. And that mindset also brings a sense of agency with it where I'm not waiting around to feel like working out. I'm not waiting around to feel like showing love to my wife. I'm not waiting around to feel like making a difficult business call. I'm committing to the action in advance and letting the feelings catch up. Um, Just like I'm sure with you writing, I know you wrote a book and you're writing a second one. I think if you waited till you felt like writing, that book would probably never get written. Or if it did, it would take, way longer. So we have to have that mindset that we are going to commit and act on the thing, let our feelings catch up. And and, and mindset can be honed. It can be built up and strengthened over time. Um, Otherwise, if it's not, we're trying to white knuckle our way through habits and actions that we truly don't believe in. And we might not even believe in ourselves enough to think that we can carry those things to fruition. So I think mindset is critical. If we don't have the right mindset. The tools and tactics probably won't work because we probably won't be able to execute them long enough to get the results that we wanted.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, right? We often think about our feelings as infallible, or I know some people do. Ultimately, feelings are data, they tell us something, but we have the opportunity to challenge those feelings. And I think what's even more important is to recognize that. We have feelings because of our values, our beliefs, and our perspectives. And so you can take a feeling, you can trace that back to what you believe. And if you're able to reexamine that belief or that value, that perception, like I said before, then you can indirectly impact those feelings and lead them to work for you rather than against
1: you. Absolutely. 100% agree.
0: Yeah, this has been such an awesome conversation. Before we wrap up, I want to give you a little space to talk about anything that you're working on right now that you're excited about, as well as where people can find you and connect with you
1: and learn more about you. Well, the best the best place to connect with us is uh, our website veritasalaska.com. We're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and especially Instagram. We've been putting. We just kind of started getting a lot of our our content up on there so we've committed to putting a lot of fresh encouraging uh, empowering messages up there um and just like you working on a book as well so um it it goes it will have gone live a week before this does um November 2nd it'll be available for for pre-order you can go to forgingfinancialfreedom.com and you uh, can pre-order your copy of my book about the mindsets and habits necessary to build financial independence.
0: Awesome, thanks so much, Chad. We'll link your Instagram and the link for the book in the show notes so people have easy access to those. Thanks again for sharing some time with us
1: today. Hey, my pleasure, Brady. Thank you for having me here.
0: Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com slash MFRP. Check it out and sign up today.